Hi, this is Joe with the Next in Ed podcast series. This school year has been crazy for us so far, and so Julie and Marcy and I have decided that we are going to produce a new interview every other Tuesday. So, please enjoy this week's podcast and know that a new one is coming up very soon. Hi, this is Marcy McNeil, producer of the Next in Ed podcast. If you have a topic you think we should discuss or someone you think we should interview, or if you would just like to give us some feedback, you can email us at nextinedpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us through Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And now, we hope you enjoy the following episode. Hi, welcome to Next to Ned. I'm Joe. And I'm Julie. Julie, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Oh, well, I did. How about yourself? Oh, it was very nice. That's wonderful. Got to have the family over, so yeah. that was a little different from last year. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a beautiful day in South Alabama. It was. It was a nice. gorgeous yes. day. Like Couldn't have asked for better, better weather. Yeah. Really nice. So what's going on? So I had an interesting um, meeting yesterday. I was invited to be a part of the state superintendent's teacher advisory team. Of course wow. you were. That's right. Because <laughs> that Julie knows everybody. <laughs> no. And, right. It was, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Dr. Super, wait, there. state superintendent advisory team. team? Yeah, it was, it's part of the teacher of the year program. So they invited the finalists oh, for okay. teacher of the year. And, and so David Dye was there. Yeah. And, nice. uh, a couple other folks and um, Dr. Mackey ran. It was just very interesting about some of the topics that are coming up in the state. And uh, I, I, we all just appreciated being invited to the table yes. for a conversation. Right. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of opportunity for a conversation, but just asking, you know, putting things out there that are going on in the state um, in education and then asking, you know, our thoughts, our feedback, our responses was just... Um, it was, it was, it was very nice. It was a very nice uh, opportunity. That's great. And then we'll get to meet again in January. So um, anyway, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, sounds like it. Now right. this was a Zoom session. Obviously. It was a Zoom session. We're hoping to get an in-person session and um, eventually. But you know, some of the topics were about teacher shortages and um, you know some. Um, learning management systems that we have and are using and, you know, just how things are working. But it was just nice to uh, be able to have our opinion heard I bet. about things. Um, well, and you, and there was another meeting or something you were in conference or something where you met our, our guest. Yes. Today, and that's yeah? what I was going to lead into with that. Um, as a presidential awardee, we have an Alabama alumni of presidential awardees in math and science. And so I kind of, gather them up and set up meetings and we meet and um, I've been asking guests. And so uh, Neil Lamb, who did one of our episodes with us, recommended our guest today. And he reached out and we met during the, during the PAMPS uh, alumni session. And he's just fascinating and has so much to say. And there's some new things on the horizon for the state of Alabama um, in the air in in the area that he's going to discuss Ooh, today. So I'm excited. To talk to I'm you. very excited. So you want to formally introduce? Yes, him? I will. This <laughs> is uh, we have Dr. Lee Meadows. He is the chief executive officer for the Alabama STEM Council. Nice. Well, Lee, welcome to the program. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Well. Um, 
I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, so I, I don't know much about you. So I'm looking forward to, to this conversation and, and learning all about you. So if you don't mind, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself how and how you ended up becoming the, the CEO of the STEM Council? The new Alabama STEM Council. The new yeah, Alabama yeah. STEM yeah. Council. That's, yeah, that's a good story, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I would love to be CEO. I'm actually executive director. Executive maybe, director. I yeah. knew I would mess that up. <laughs> maybe Julie. one day I'll be CEO. There we go. That's right. Um, so I started my career way back in the dark ages as a high school chemistry and physics teacher. Um I tried to deny that for most of my growing up. I came from a family of educators and then um, tried church work as a youth director. And just that was not what I wanted to do Um, and taught high school, kind of went into the back door in Mississippi to teaching chemistry and physics and fell in love with the classroom from the first time I stepped into it. So I think I was born a teacher and I am a teacher at heart. Um, taught for three years there in a suburban school and then um, ended up after that grad school with a, and ended up with a PhD in science education from the University of Georgia. Um, and then I really thought through all of that, I'd head back to teaching high school, um, but then kind of got really interested in academics and was looking for jobs and UAB had posted a job. Um, So we didn't know much about Birmingham and came here and kind of fell in love with the city. So I have been at UAB for most of my career. I'm still actually a professor there on technically on leave as I do this STEM council work, Um, but have spent much of my career basically coaching teachers, new teachers and teachers who already have a certificate but are getting like a master's degree. Um, and being a teacher educator and teaching teachers was the second best thing to teaching high school because I didn't leave my heart in the high school classroom. Um, but I love teaching. And then, um, about, so governor Ivy formed the STEM council a little over a year ago in September, and they wanted to do a national search for an executive director, but it was really the middle of the pandemic and it didn't seem to be any way to be able to get um, a good national search going and I just kind of do what I always do and raise my hand and said I'll do it (laughs) and so I really just kind of said hey you know have you thought about being thought about hiring an interim executive director and if you have then I'll be happy to throw my hat in in the my name in the hat for that um, came on board in November, about uh, a little over a year ago, um, was interim for about six months. And then now I'm on board permanently as the executive director. Well, who and, knows? You um, might be CEO it, before, you know, <laughs> it's like you just raise your hand. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm a ready fire aim kind of guy. Oh, is that um, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that turns into ready fire aim. Oops. Uh, yes. <laughs> but, you know, it's just kind of the way I've always lived my life. So and it, it comes in handy in times when you're trying to do things like build a STEM council in Alabama that's never had one before. I, I do have one question about your um, education uh, in looking at your Vita. Your undergraduate degree was <laughs> was a bit interesting. Can you can you yeah. tell us about that? Yeah. So my undergraduate is in classical Greek. 
Um, <laughs> it's, this is, it's like your brother story. or something, Joe, because he's kind of the same way. Go ahead. Classical yeah. Greek. There's a whole long, long, painful story there. But basically, <laughs> I was pre-med. Uh-huh. And at that time, they said, you know, don't get a degree in biology and chemistry. Get a degree in something that you're really interested in and do your sciences and math on the side. And I thought, um, sure, I'd love to read the New Testament in the original language. So I got a classical Greek degree at Ole Miss, which is, that's just a whole nother area of contradiction. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But in my junior, second semester of my junior year, it just hit me. I am not a med school kind of guy. Um, So that's where I kind of started the wandering of church work and then just kind of the back door to the classroom. Now you say back door. How did that happen? Back door to the classroom. Um, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I, I, so I, it was December and I thought about teaching and I walked into a small private school in Greenville, Mississippi to see if they needed a substitute teacher because I just wanted to try out teaching. And they were like, uh, no, we don't need a substitute, but we need a junior high math teacher. And I found out later that like two days ago, the junior high math teacher had like come into the office and tossed his keys and was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> wow. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They didn't tell they, you that ahead of time, though. No, they <laughs> did not. They did not. So that's the classroom that I took over. And I found out very quickly, I didn't want to teach junior high. I didn't want to teach math. But I did really like teaching. And then what got me through, so I got an alternative certification in Mississippi with some summer coursework and then started teaching. And honestly, what got me through, I was not prepared for the classroom. What got me through is my father was a school superintendent and my mother was a trained elementary teacher. So I spent a whole lot of time on the phone back in the day when that's what we did is talk by phone, right. um, call a mom and dad and like, Hey, what do I do about this? That's awesome. And they, they were my coaches that's and they, awesome. they, I would have walked out of the, I would have left the classroom after the first year if I had had, had their support because wow. I didn't know what right. I was doing. Yeah. And for somebody who didn't want to go, you know, was pushing back on the whole education thing too. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, they modeled the coaching that you later did for others. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'm just a big proponent of, Teachers need help learning how to teach well. Um, I think there's a myth out there of the born teacher. Um, probably if, you're, if you've got a lot of natural talent for teaching and you go to a school like the one you graduated from, you might, it might work really well. But most of us, and I'm definitely one of those, I didn't know how to teach well. I had to do a whole lot of learning especially like when I tried to teach in urban schools and when I tried to teach some things differently. I have, I, and I've been learning my whole career. Uh, well, that's, that's a true statement. That is yeah. a very true Absolutely. statement. And uh, it's not just about knowing the content. No, right. not at all. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the management that's really aspect the small is, part. is huge. It's management, yeah. it's delivery. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's all of that. So tell us about the STEM council. Sure. Um, so before the STEM council there, Governor Ivey had asked for a roadmap for STEM success in Alabama. I was part of that group. We presented that to her in 2019. And it is just what it says. It's the plan for STEM success in Alabama. And part of the plan was Alabama needed a STEM council. Um, other states have one, one have STEM councils or something similar. Ours is patterned after Iowa. 
Iowa has a STEM council, the governor's STEM advisory council. Um, and so then what happened, so that was November, 2019. And in 2020, can you fade in the ominous theme, yes. the ominous music? Da, 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 da. In 2020, <laughs> the STEM council started going through the legislature to be formed by law, got passed by the house, got in the budget, but then the legislature shut down because of COVID. Right. Um, so then what Governor Ivey decided to do was form the STEM Council in September of 2020 by executive order because she wanted it to get up and going. Um, and then that's kind of what, that's what I said about in my introduction. So the STEM Council was formed. Um, the executive committee met in November and then our working group started meeting in December. And then the really interesting thing is up until October of this year, the STEM Council was doing really good, strong work, and it was all virtual. We had not had a single face-to-face -face wow. meeting, wow. but our working groups, our executive committee, everybody, it was, it was working really well. Um, the STEM Council is focused on three things. So improving STEM education, improving students' awareness of STEM careers and interest in STEM careers, and then the result of those the two things come together into giving Alabama a, its STEM workforce. I think it's pretty clear from what's going on in our state, our nation, and around the world, if Alabama doesn't grow its own STEM workforce, we're not going to have one. Um, just the days of people moving from around the nation or around the, around the world to come to America for STEM jobs. Those days are kind of past now. Um, so that is part of a key thing of the STEM council is we need a we need a, a, an educated STEM workforce to be able to staff our economy as it is, but then also to grow our economy. So that's the kind of the, the STEM shell, the STEM council in just a nutshell. What, just out of curiosity, what do you attribute uh, the fact that you just mentioned about how people aren't traveling as much to, to move, to come to America or to come to Alabama specifically for STEM jobs? What seems to be going on there, and I've read international reports on this, if you look at, at India, if you look at China, um, if you look at some of the many of the countries that in in generations past people the people from there would move to America to study like in a graduate school and then stay, um, economies have improved, opportunities have improved in many of those countries, and even graduate education has improved in those countries. So fewer internationals are coming to America to study, and then if they do come to America to study, they often want to go back, back home, which makes, of course, makes sure, sense. Sure, because there's more opportunity now for them back at home. Exactly. Okay. And then here in our own nation, you know, if you're a kid getting a computer science degree in Vermont, if you're getting a mechanical engineering degree in Michigan, or if you're getting a biomedical engineering, a biomedical sciences degree in Northern California, you're probably not thinking, and when I finish these degree, I'm going to move to Alabama. Right. You're probably not. <laughs> probably not. Um, just for a whole bunch of various factors. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we're going to change that. But for right now, we have to grow, grow our own STEM workforce. And the thing that I, I'm putting in front of people is Alabama put invest five 
billion dollars, that's with a B, $5 billion a year in K-12 education. We should get a STEM prepared workforce out of that. Now, what I've heard from business and industry leaders since I've been on this job is we're not. They consistently talk about how graduates from any level, if they hire straight out of high school, out of a two-year college or a four-year college, um, when, th when those graduates come to work, they're, they're saying they're not ready to work. They're, they, 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 and they say over and over again, they can't think, they can't solve problems, and they don't have the employability skills that we need. Um, we can change that. And that's one thing that the STEM Council is about, because I firmly believe that when kids graduate from high school or community college or four-year college, they should be ready to walk through the door to a great job. I don't think school is only about getting you ready for a job, but I think I think almost all... But it's a necessary thing. ...in Alabama would say, well, that's one of the things that we have to do is get kids ready to to find a good job and to hold on to it. What do you think needs to be changed? Honestly, I think it's how we teach. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's what we teach or who's teaching. I think it's how we teach. Um, I'm laying out a vision with the STEM Council of modern learning for a modern economy. And by that, so we have, we have a modern economy in Alabama. You know, you look around the state and we've got automobile manufacturing, we've got, you know, in your neck of the woods, we've got Airbus, we've got Austell, we've got Boeing in the north. And those are just the really large companies. We've got bi small biotech firms, we've got tech firms, um, tech startups. We've got a modern economy here already going in Alabama, and we need to build that and grow it. Um, but I think if we walk down the halls of most Alabama schools, we're not going to see modern learning. What we're going to see is kids sitting in desk, in rows, being quiet, doing worksheets, or taking notes. And that is not what they need to know how to do when they get into the, into the workforce. Nobody pays a graduate six figures to sit in a cubicle and do worksheets that's or so to watch true. videos and take and, and take notes that's, so that's just not what industry needs they need people who can think and solve problems mm -hmm. work on teams manage information all of that and i know k-12 i know that from my own experience k-12 can do that we can walk down the halls of elementary of alabama elementary middle and high schools and we can look in classrooms and we can see kids learning the way they need to be working. Vital, vibrant education, but it's not the education that I experienced in the 1970s. It is something different. It is something different. And I've seen transitions in the classroom, in the schools that I get to visit um, here in Mobile County. And I'm sure you've seen schools that are implementing new and modern education. But yep. I, I, I'm assuming everything just hasn't shifted yet. And then, of course, like I was saying earlier, there's a teacher shortage. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and, and then how do we get the teachers who are, how do we get the teachers to move into that modern teaching? Well, two of the, th one, the key thing that I'm pointing K-12 teachers to is how with math in our course of study and science in our course of study, 
the practices are there. So the mathematical practices and the science and engineering practices. Now, if you're not an educator and you're listening to this, I've just gone real wonky on you um, <laughs> because you may not even know what the practices right. are. And if you, and if you're, you know, I'm in my fifties, if you're in your thirties, forties, or fifties, you probably didn't experience this kind of learning in the classroom. But the biggest thing is educators know the practices are built into our standards. They're in place and they're calling for this kind of classroom that I'm talking about, where kids are thinking, learning, solving problems, all of that. That's in our standards. I think the key thing for me right now, like you mentioned, that the, the teachers, teachers, they, they're aware of this. Um, for the STEM Council, we're thinking about education leaders. Mm -hmm. We're thinking about how principals and superintendents often they don't come from STEM backgrounds. So they really don't know what needs to go in the classroom. So we have some, we're starting some initiatives to help principals and superintendents, the school leaders, the instructional leaders understand these kind of changes that we need in the classroom. Absolutely, go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, one of the things I you know, think about with this is for teachers that have not taught that way before and they think about you know, maybe they begin to feel some pressure to begin changing the way that they teach. I, th I think a, a lot of times there's fear there because at the end of the day, their kids have to pass state assessments and um, they have to, you know, achieve at a certain level. And the teachers might be concerned that if they switch the way, even though we know that when you switch over and do more problem-based learning, hands-on learning, that true understanding increases. So I guess my question is, when do maybe, and this is something that the council, because you're connected with the governor, how do we get to a point where the state testing reflects that type of learning and, and not keeping us back like we were in the, you know, in the seventies and the eighties. million dollar question, Joe. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, here's the crazy thing, Joe, we're already there. <laughs> We're already there with ACAP testing. So if you look at what the new testing system that it was ready to de deploy, de be deployed in, fade in that key, that theme music. 2020. Again, 2020 <laughs> was the first year we were supposed to introduce ACAP testing. Um, that was delayed, of course. And then so last year, schools schools administered ACAP. And if you look at an ACAP is really grades three through eight, depending on the subject. I think with some subjects they get down to grade two. Second grade, yeah, but, it does reading yeah. and math. Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. But if you look at ACAP with science and math and what they're testing, it's aligned with that modern learning that I'm talking about. It yes. is not the multiple choice questions that we took. Like an example that we took as adults. Um, one of the questions on math that with, they have to use tools like a protractor or a calculator. Now it's taken by a computer. So they're using a digital version of that the tool. There's a whole lot of thinking skills that are assessed. So a lot of people are saying that the ACAP is going to drive change forward. And then at the high school level, ACT, especially science, has been focused on thinking skills, um, 
and focus much less on content memorization for, gosh, I want to say 20 years oh, wow. now. Mm -hmm. If it's not 20, it's close to that. Mm -hmm. um, testing has shifted, but ACAP is going to be a big deal. I think I, I so too. Now in I agree. Alabama. And I see it in the work that I do with the, with the teachers, coaching teachers mm -hmm. and change shifting that idea and, and the practices are the key. Um, mm -hmm. You can't learn with, it's like reading. You, you got to learn your alphabet, you learn how to read, how to put letters and sounds together to read. You have to know the practices in order to do science and math. Right. And here with the STEM Council, what we're always trying to, what we're trying to do is to bring everything I've talked about back into a picture, like for teachers. Um, I want to be very careful in all that I do to never bash teachers. I am a teacher. I come from a family of teachers. Um, my, my son is a professor at UAB. My daughter-in-law is an elementary certified teacher. Um, I love teachers. I don't want to bash any teachers. But there are these practices, teaching practices. I've mentioned lecture, taking notes, doing worksheets. Those things need to be de-emphasized. De and what we need to help teachers and education leaders understand, the adults in the school, is the standards have calling for a change. The assessments have changed. And all of this is because the world has changed. And what we need to do is get kids ready for the world that they're going to live in, for the jobs that are out there. Um, this is, yes, it's a change, but it's a change that mirrors what's already happened in society. I heard somebody speak at a, at, a, at a meeting I attended as part of the STEM Council work, and he talked about the flip between how in the past about three out of the four jobs in Alabama were unskilled and where we're heading to now is three out of the four jobs in Alabama are skilled. And we got to have kids that have thinking skills, all kinds of really good skills if they want to be able to keep a job. Because, again, the economy has just changed. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm very glad to hear about the testing changing because mm -hmm. I think in the past that's probably been one of the biggest obstacles um, for really kind of flipping the way that, that the teaching is being done. Um, so our, our question we always ask our guests is, uh, what do you see coming up next or what would you like to see uh, coming down the line? Gosh, there's so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've mentioned the practices. I think that's the, a key thing where we've got to, where I hope that's what we see because the teaching according to the practices, that's not like, that's not, that's not a huge 20, 30 year shift that we need in education. With the right leadership and the right support, we can begin getting schools to shift toward the practices now. And I think that's, the, that's critical. Where, and it's less emphasis, not, not a total de-emphasis, but less emphasis on some of those tra traditional teaching strategies and more emphasis getting teachers to try some new things and begin to see, my gosh, this really works with kids. I know that from my own experience, and I know that from coaching teachers. When I get them to try it, they come back and they're like, Dr. Meadows, that worked. And I'm like, it does, doesn't it? It really does. 
the other thing that I think about when I the, the first the other thing that comes off the top of my head when I think about what's next. So STEM, science, mathematics, technology, and engineering. I think what's next in Alabama is especially with the T and trying to figure out what we need to be doing with technology. We're doing pretty well in Alabama with computer science education. Um, we're actually, I think our, a very recent report had us in the top 10 in the nation, and it may have been even top five with what we're doing with computer science education, nice. and that is great. But then when you talk about people from the business world and especially technology, there are a lot of things that we're not doing really well yet. So artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, we've got to deploy that in the education system because we need that so much in the workforce. So that's the, the, the next thing I think about is how do we begin to expand that T, again, modern learning for a modern economy, our economy is blowing up with technology, but our education system hasn't gotten there yet where even where K-12 kids, when they graduate high school, they even know that that's out there. Well, we need more than them just to be aware those jobs are out there. We need them to have the knowledge and skills to walk through those doors. The great thing about many of those jobs in tech Kids can walk out of high school and move into some of those jobs with a certificate. They don't even need a, need a degree in that. And they can have a great job in technology and high paid. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the program sure. today. Really enjoyed getting to meet you and talk to you. It's a great conversation. I'm sure that we could go on. So, but I'd like to mention that he, uh, he is author of, of a few books. Yes. Um, go ahead and give the title of that and we can, or we can put it in the links in the yeah. show notes. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, I'd like to go ahead and put the STEM roadmap. We'll put that in the, in the show notes as well. You can also, if you want to, you can put in the show notes, the governor's executive order. All of those are on the STEM Council website. It's easy to find. People can just Google search Alabama STEM Council Wonderful. and get there. Wonderful. And there's a lot of resources there, um, including this great project we're doing called um, Alabama STEM Explorers. That is for middle schoolers. We're trying to begin to build career interest. And that shows on Alabama Public Television on Saturday mornings at 930. Yes, I've nice. heard about that. That's a great show. Yeah, it's a great mm -hmm. show. Well, and thank those of you for watching and listening today. And be sure to join us next time as Julie and I continue to explore what's, what's next, next in Ed. Ed. Don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you heard, please rate and review this podcast so others can find us. The Next in Ed podcast is brought to you by the Mobile County Public Schools IT Department in partnership with the Department of Counseling and Instructional Sciences at the University of South Alabama. Engineered by Tim VP Media Production. Music by Justin Matthews. Hosted by Dr. Joe Gaston and Julie Neidhart. Follow us on Twitter at NextInEd and on Facebook. Guests on the podcast are expressing personal opinions for informational purposes only. They are not necessarily acting as official representatives for their schools, universities, organizations, or places of employment. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.